The Guardian. I'm Matt Wells, and coming up in this bumper edition of Media Talk, so much for the rogue reporter, Scotland Yard confirms a new investigation into phone hacking after the news of the world hands over fresh evidence and sacks its news editor, Ian Edmondson. Just how much further does this scandal go to the heart of the murder empire? Also in the podcast, bloodbath at the BBC, 1,000 jobs are cut from the World Service and BBC Online as the corporation well and truly enters the age of austerity. We pick over the debris in Bush House and beyond. Plus, Arsenal's women won the FA Cup today. A great double already. I'm afraid Andy and I have got to get to this point. There's no point trying to go on. Uh, we, will, we will see you. Bye from both of us. The sky falls in on Andy Gray and Richard Keyes as they pay the price for their sexist jibes. And... Hello to you and thanks for joining. This is exciting, isn't it? Hey. Miranda Hart wins a hat-trick of gongs at the British Comedy Awards. Just don't ask her to explain the offside rule. Do me a favour, love. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. Greetings all. Now, in a week where football dominated the early news agenda, it's quite literally a pod of two halves. Uh, We'll hear from John Plunkett and Maggie Brown later as we talk about the BBC, Andy Gray and Richard Keyes. First, though, let's start with the news that the police are to open a new investigation into the phone hacking scandal at the News of the World. The Met says it has significant new evidence relating to Ian Edmondson, the tabloid's assistant editor who was suspended before Christmas and sacked moments after the new inquiry was announced. Now, all this comes, of course, a week after Andy Coulson, the former editor of the News of the World, resigned as David Cameron's director of communications. And, perhaps most tellingly, it's also happening while Rupert Murdoch is in London, looking after the negotiations with the government over News Corporation's planned takeover of B Sky B. Coincidence? As if. Still, many questions are thrown up by this latest development. How far up the News International food chain does this go? Why did the police get it so wrong in the first place? And just how much more has been covered up in the Four years since the so-called rogue reporter Clive Goodman went to jail. We'll get the thoughts of the Labour MP Tom Watson about this in a moment. First, let's speak to Andrew Neal, former Murdoch aide and uh, executive at News Corporation. And Andrew, uh, it can't be a coincidence, can it, that Rupert Murdoch is in town and suddenly there's all this action from Andy Coulson to Ian Edmondson, even to Andy Gray. It can only be a coincidence if pigs can fly. <laughs> um, uh, what's happened is that Mr Murdoch has taken direct control of the situation on all fronts. One uh, executive at Wapping said he was like a bull in a china shop, uh, issuing orders left, right and centre, changing the strategy, which was summed up to me by another executive as fire anybody who's guilty as long as the name's not murder. So he's in charge. The defence, which was put up against The Guardian for four years, there was one rogue reporter and that was the end of it. That's what they told the Guardian, it's what they told Parliament, it's what they told the media, I think it's what they told the police as well, has now collapsed. It was fraying at the edges for ages, Mm. but it's now completely collapsed. And I must say, the Guardian stands vindicated in its investigative journalism. Um, Is there a view, do you think, that James Murdoch uh, failed to get a grip on this quick enough? It's a bit embarrassing that, you know, uh, that father has to come in and sort it all out, isn't it? Yes, there is a view, and that's one of the reasons why he's angry. There's also a feeling that Rebecca Wade has let matters drift as well. Um, But neither James Murdoch nor Rebecca Wade are really culpable in the origins of this, because it happened before they were in a position to know. Indeed, my understanding is that Rebecca Wade was one of the people who, when editor of The Sun, had her phone hacked into by her colleagues at the News of the World. Uh, I mean, the problem goes back to the time when Les Hinton was in charge uh, of the uh, papers there, including the News of the World, and 
they came up with this defence that it only involved the royal reporter, it only involved one private detective, no one else knew, including the editor, and that that was the end of the story. And since that, that was always a hard one to believe, and as time has gone on, uh, it became increasingly incredible until this week it collapsed entirely, and what has been a... Um, a trickle of extra names being brought into the frame now, to my mind, has all the makings of a flood. Mm. Um, I mean, how how bad is this for News Corporation as a whole? Will the effects ripple around the empire? I mean, you mentioned Le- Le- Les Hinton. He's, of course, over at the uh, Wall Street Journal these days, isn't he? Yes, well, I guess he's got his get-out-of-jail card on mm. that. Though he did testify to Parliament that he had done the most rigorous of investigations and concluded that it did go no further than the rogue royal reporter. Mm. I mean, I think it couldn't have come at a worse time for uh, News Corp, the holding company headquartered in the United States. I mean, just look at what's come out uh, this week. The latest B-Sky B figures are just fantastic. I mean, they are incredible. And Mr. Murdoch is well aware, and I agree with him, uh, that there wouldn't be a B-Sky B if it wasn't for Rupert Murdoch. I was his Mm. executive chairman at the launch, and everybody said it would fail. He wants to buy it all, and the mood music is terrible, whether it's the mood music at Sky Sports or the mood music at the News of the World. At a time of a complicated regulatory process in which editorial standards are part of it and do matter to Ofcom, This couldn't have come at a worse time. Hence, the new strategy, which is we will hang out to dry anybody that we have to. So the two reporters have gone at Sky Sports. Mr. Edmondson, the former um, senior news editor at the News of the World, has been fired. We're told any other names that are implicated will also be dealt with summarily, and uh, that uh, this is a new age, a cleansing of the stables. Uh, so that uh, the regulators can see that they're all operating properly. The problem with that strategy, and it's probably an improvement on the previous one that had lost credibility, the problem is that the more sacrificial lambs you create, the more likely one of these lambs is to tell us where this story actually leads to. And to answer the Watergate question, who knew what? When. Yes, and, uh, and and following the money, who signed the checks, isn't it? Um, and um, what are the? Uh, you, you mentioned the the, the um, uh, political implications, the Sky deal. Jeremy Hunt last week appeared to give News Corporation a bit of breathing space in his rather unprecedented um, uh, political calculations that he made. But it, there's no evidence or even suggestion that this is all going to be cleared up in time, anyway, is it? No, there isn't, and a lot of time has been um, wasted. And my sense is that this, the news of the world story, uh, we're not at the uh, beginning of the end. Uh, indeed, we may be lucky if we're just at the end of the beginning. But this has got a long way to run. The police are now perhaps going to do a proper investigation into this. Uh, celebrities from Steve Coogan to Sienna Miller are getting into the courts and getting papers released, which could well uh, make public a host of other names in the News of the World newsroom that were using hacking techniques to get stories. So I think the timing is out. The government is walking on eggshells at the moment. It is desperate to be seen to be falling over backwards to follow due process so that it doesn't get a judicial review from either side. 
uh, it really has a problem that it wishes it would go away. And to some extent, you can't help get the feeling that those involved are a little bit out of their depth. All right, Andrew Neil, thanks very much. Uh, let's pick up on that point that Andrew was making about the police investigation with Tom Watson, MP. He's a Labour member of the Commons Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee, and he's one of the MPs who's been making the running on this. It does seem, Tom, that the police are now determined to get on top of this. They've appointed a new detective to take charge of the case. Does that uh, fill you with some hope this time? It does. I think a fresh pair of eyes helps. And, you know, to be fair to John Yates, he's had a very tough week at the office. He is in charge of anti-terrorism in London. So um, it seems appropriate if they're going to put in more resource and dig deep that they get someone who can spend the time on it. Um, There is a tremendous amount of evidence in the Mulcair file that requires um, picking up on. There are a a growing number of whistleblowers who have yet to be interviewed by the police, and there are existing senior editors at News International who've been identified in evidence through civil litigation who've not yet been interviewed under oath, and I'm pretty certain they'll have to do that if they want to get to the bottom of it. So do you expect this to take uh, some time then? You uh, you mentioned the Mulcair file. This is Glenn Mulcair, who was the private detective jailed with uh, Clive Goodman, the the Royal Correspondent, um, originally. Because there does seem, as you you say, to be a huge amount of evidence that previously the, the, the Met seemed to have been sitting on. Yeah, I uh, I think it'll take them a bit of time to work through it. I, I mean, there are things they need to do quite quickly, which is find out if any current data exists within News International. Um, there are data dumps and servers that probably need looking at. There are certainly files. There are certainly uh, financial transactions between private investigators uh, and contracts signed by journalists that I think if they're serious about getting to the bottom of, they need to go through quite forensically. Um, And, you you know, one would hope that uh, Rupert Murdoch would invite them into Wapping to go through those files interesting facts that we've learned this week are that that News International have appointed a new team of uh, of, of solicitors that within uh, uh, the last few days they've they've sent over an uh, uh, some material or already and that seems to have been what's prompted the police to announce the n- new investigation but does it go wider than that because of course there's uh, there's the sky bid to take over there's the news corporation bid to take over over sky which all seems bound bound up with it as well so what's your view about all of that well, firstly, they say last time they brought in a team of solicitors to go through it, but um, I, you know their search was pretty miserable. I, you know, if they're going to bring in their own team of solicitors, I hope they're going to be looking at servers, not just computers on desks. We we all know what the distinction is there. Yeah. Um, on the bid, um, well, I've written to Jeremy Hunt earlier in the week and said, you know, in in the Enterprise Act 2002, you can actually. Uh, get Ofcom to report on commitment to broadcasting standards and it's not unreasonable that if you were drawing up that report you'd look at how the organisation behaves in other areas, other parts of their uh, the media landscape so uh, I, you know if you're going to buy a TV company and your news core who own News of the World who are guilty of phone hacking I don't think it's unreasonable that people take that into account so yeah the two are going to be uh, blurred and you know at right just right out there are the British public, many of whom are learning about phone hacking for the first time, because let's remember, this story has not been reported, despite being probably the biggest media scandal in post-war history. Hardly a newspaper in the United Kingdom has taken it up. 
and the BBC have been very slow or timid or scared to take it up as well. So this is new to millions of people out there, but when they read about it, I think they'll be very concerned, and it will have an impact on public opinion on the bid, I'm sure. And why has it taken so long, do you, do you think, for, on the one hand, the, uh, the police, apparently, to get a grip on it, and on, on the other hand, for, for it to, to reach a wider audience as well? Is it all part of the same reason? reason? Are people scared of Rupert Murdoch and the News International Empire? Yes. This is a very pugnacious, some would say vengeful organisation, and they're immensely powerful, and they can destroy careers and lives. So yes, and frankly, former prime ministers should have showed leadership on it, and the current prime minister should show leadership on it. We cannot allow... And, uh, and, and, and by that you mean former Labour prime ministers as well, because it's, of course, yes. it's Labour... Yes. Yes. I don't mind, I don't mind yeah. naming them, Matt. Tony Blair, Gordon Brown, David Cameron, they should have sorted this. I mean, what, what we've got at the heart of here is a toxic media culture where executives of some of these organisations feel that they are beyond account. And that's a failure of self-regulation. The Guardian's been part of that, but this week we've seen the Daily Express and the Daily Star pull out of the Press Complaints Commission. You know, if we try and get something... I always think you should try and look at what good can come out of scandals like this. If If we get through this with Rupert Murdoch having cleared the decks of phone hackers... Uh, and the and the newspaper industry realizing that the time is right to actually build a model of self regulation that works that means independent representation on the board and some kind of sanction to uh, make sure that newspapers put wrongdoing right then you know we'll have got we'll have gone a long way to sorting this out well this is a very interesting point you've made, you make you make about pre- press self regulation because people moan about press self regulation in the past i mean i think even the newspaper industry many people in the newspaper industry anyway probably accept privately if not publicly that that it's not that effective but there's been no desire either on this side of the fence or, or over with you guys in westminster to do anything about it um do you think that that might change i think it has to change you know i, I mean you know, no i think we've got i think we the political class and probably the Conservatives of the government, with our support, need to make sure that uh, it happens. And I would hope that Jeremy Hunt is going to speak out on this. And do you think this means statutory regulation? Or, or uh, uh, um, you started to sort of explain, didn't you, what, uh, um, yeah, in your last well, answer, what well, you think needs to happen? Calls, there will be calls for statutory regulation. Personally, I think if you get the state regulated newspapers, you, you probably get into bother. But I, I think some form of independent regulation, rather like the Advertising Standards Authority, perhaps with some kind of statutory powers. The key thing is independence. Frankly, the PCC is a cabal of editors now, and, you know, if they fall out with each other, you know, it causes bother. And um, But, you know, if there's some kind of independent regulation where they can oblige newspapers who've done bad things to put the matter right, either on the pages or, you know, actually say sorry for wrecking a life because they've got a story wrong, um, you know, we might think about looking looking to Bristol for that right now, but there's a million other stories I can think of, then some good will have come out of it. You've made this something of a crusade. Um, you must feel, I guess, I don't know what, pleased that it, it, it's, it's come to a conclusion? I don't know about, I don't know whether I'm pleased. I probably feel a little relieved that people no longer think I'm a crank, if I'm being <laughs> honest, because I've had so many journalists say to me, you're barking up the wrong tree, this will never get out, what do you think you're doing, this will destroy your career then. So I feel a little relieved, but... Um, 
there's a lot of powerful forces at play here, so, you know, I'm still oh, don't, slightly... Don't, we've had Richard Keyes talking about dark forces this week. Don't you go on about it as well. Tom Watson, thanks very much. OK, uh, that's enough hacking for now. Follow the latest developments, of course, at mediaguardian.co.uk. OK, we'll go back to another part of the Murdoch empire later, but now on to the BBC, where more than a 1,000 people are losing their jobs uh, as the reality of that hastily agreed licence fee deal starts to bite. In an unprecedented round of staff cuts, 650 positions are being axed at the World Service, with a further 350 going across BBC Online and 50 more at BBC Monitoring. Now, as promised, uh, we've been joined in the studio for this part of the show by John Plunkett and Maggie Brown. Welcome to you both. Let's start with the World Service. Uh, it's losing more than 25 percent of its workforce uh, five language services are closing and uh, all this because it's no longer getting the uh, it's well it's been budget has been cut by the foreign office john hasn't it by 50 million pounds that's right yes when peter horrocks who's in charge of the world service um announced these cuts he put the blame fairly at the uh, the door of the government and fairly says, and squarely that's right fairly and squarely yes um <laughs> squarely and fairly uh, at the door of the government and so that's a result of the uh, the 16 cut in budget uh, which he said in fact uh, translated into a 20 percent cut in the world service budget when they take extra cuts into account. So, as you say, it's the, it's the biggest change we've seen at the, uh, at the World Service. It's unprecedented. Um, and he thought out of the current audience of 180 million worldwide, it means in a stroke they're going to lose 30 million of their listeners, which, which is mostly... Which I was going to say, which, which takes them um, below Voice of, uh, of America and means that they'll no longer be the world's leading English language... Uh, well, sorry, leading, leading world uh, broadcaster. That was the prediction by, uh, by Jeremy Deere of the, of the NUJ. Uh, Horrocks said if you take into account the BBC's TV services and also BBC.com, he thought it would stay in the, in the number one position but when i asked him uh, purely uh, the world service alone will it be overtaken by the voice of america he was uh, uh, well he didn't say yes or no but that that would appear to be the case yeah mm. uh, i mean the, i think no one really denies that people there are m- many fewer people listening on shortwave radio now than there were a few years ago but um, um to cut these services off at a stroke i mean for instance the uh, one of the um, radio broadcasts which is going to go is in Hindi, and there are 12 million people listen to that currently, uh, and, and they won't be able to access that Well, the, the argument, I suppose, is, um, is, is that, the, uh, that there are plenty of other news sources for people who, uh, who speak Hindi, including many free, uh, free as I, mean, I mean, free of uh, influence, um, and, uh, and therefore, what's the, what's the BBC's distinctive voice? What are they doing, doing uh, broadcasting in that language? Well, I think the World Service has a, a, a unique role to play. It's, it's independent. It's, uh, it's, it's respected around the world. And mm. uh, as Horrocks pointed out, it's, um, it, it does, um, it's, it's widely respected and it's, it's uh, good for the image of, of, of Britain. Maggie, do you, I mean, it's, it, it, it is undoubtedly all those things. But Well, I mean, what's also happening, um, and John uh, has referred to the, the language services going, which uh, seemed to me some of them were going to be inevitably changed because that's what's happening all the time. They, they don't keep everything set in aspect anyway. But this is a massive cut. The other thing that's happening is they're basically uh, almost hollowing out the English uh, language world service radio programs, which are not news and current affairs. So a lot of well-known titles are just going, and a lot of the producers and the correspondents are, are, are going to be dropped as well. So and, if you uh, like, the cultural the, side yes, of the world yes. service's voice is being diminished, but, although it will still be doing impartial news and current affairs. And because they went through all of this um, some years ago didn't they because the, the english language uh, uh, service had a, had a bit of a cut when they cut all the drama and well, look, let me tell you the programs what? that they say are being dropped uh, uh there will be um 
Politics UK, Europe Today, World of Music, Something Understood, Letter from dot dot dot, and Crossing Continents, these will all close. There will also be a loss of some correspondence. So some of these cuts are marketing and back office people. About 33% of them are going. And that's because the BBC is going to rationalise the World Service after 2014 and put the, put the uh, operations in with its big, giant newsroom that's been yeah. constructed well, I uh, said, well, I said, by Broadcasting I, you know, House. But possibly mistakenly, I elided all this with the, the, the licence fee. No, it's uh, not. G- but, but, but this isn't... Um, the, the, I, I should, we should point out that this is because of the Foreign, uh, Foreign and Commonwealth Office budget cut. It's the but, Comprehensive Spending yes. Review, which the BBC got dragged into. But as part of that licence fee deal, the, the BBC will take over responsibility for the funding of the World Service. So will that mean that all that money will come back again? Or do you think that once it's gone, the BBC is not, not going to restore the level of funding once it all comes in-house? So this is an excellent question. Now, if you listen to Mark Thompson trying to pretend nothing has really happened, uh, he will say after 2014, we might even be able to reinvest a bit in the World Service. The fact of the matter is, as I've argued here before, the licence fee has not just been frozen. This huge amount of extra stuff is being charged to it and when it comes to the crunch the priority has, is going to be domestic services because it's you and me it's the people who watch radio and tv here who expect a certain amount in exchange for the license fee because, so the because, world service yes. will be lower down the agenda well, of the bbc be, John, isn't it because because the license fee uh, uh, the, the the world service isn't for us uh, uh, you're going to have a situation where the the world service is being paid for directly i i, I know we all pay for it now through taxation but there's the, there's going to be this direct charge for for the world service an amount coming out of our license fee for a service that we don't receive. Yes, it's, it's UK licence fee payers uh, paying um, at the moment. It's what's £253 million at the moment. That's going to be cut to around 194 by 2014. But yes, UK licence fee payers are paying for a service which, uh, apart from a million or so listeners uh, in this country, is, is listened to by people abroad. Uh, and the, the fear. And it's certainly intended to be. I mean, you can listen to it, obviously, and I, and I do enjoy it. Uh, 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 New service is excellent, but it's, it, the, vast it's majority the intended overseas. audience is an overseas audience. That's right. And the fear among uh, World Service staffers is that when, uh, as, as Maggie suggests, when when there are further cuts down the line, as it seems there inevitably, inevitably will be, uh, and as the World Service news operation gets integrated more and more with the BBC's domestic and international news operation, then it's the, uh, the World Service that will bear the brunt of the cuts because they will be uh, bottom priority. Mm. The, the, the other thing that is truly troubling, if you think about this, the, the, in, in future the BBC will be funding the World Service, but the Foreign Office will still have a say in what services are put out. So I am not clear, even though I've studied everything, quite how that arrangement well, is going to work. That's, that's, that's even more ridiculous, isn't it? Well, I mean, it, it does open up this question of whether you know, a government department essentially tells the BBC, do this or do that. Now, I may be overstating this problem, but it, it, it's something that has yet yet to be clarified. This deal, all of these deals that, that date back to October, what they suggest to me is that the BBC should not have caved in and there should have been the oxygen of publicity because what we are seeing this week it's is all MPs out there, saying... Yeah. Well, how come that this is happening? This is wrong. You know, this is our soft diplomacy arm, and it's worked very well. We don't like what we're hearing. OK, uh, let's have a quick word on the cuts at BBC Online. 350 jobs going, uh, websites, and the iPlayer uh, uh, will, will be affected. A number of websites being closed, and the, all the radio stuff is coming off the iPlayer, and quite a lot of people are losing their jobs, as I said. Um, is this, I mean, the, the thing is, though, Mackie, is BBC Online is an enormous 
operation and dwarves everything uh, in its wake. And, and, and competitors, I mean, we're, we're competitors, so we have to declare an interest, uh, uh, might say you know, about time too. Well, the suspicion I have in a way is that, first of all, this grew like topsy without much rhyme or reason. So there's plenty there that can be cut. And some of the things, for example, you know, moribund websites that are sort of half kept going, uh, just cleansing the, 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 the kind of um, offering is a good idea. And there are things like Newsnight had five people, I think, working on its online site. Now I think it's cut to two. There's, there's sort of, you know, bringing it back down to scale. The other thing is that the BBC is saying quite categorically it won't go into social networking. So it's not going to sort of try to do a Facebooky, you know, come and sort of interact with us uh, thing. It's also not going to continue going into this is my kind of, you know, local, my local BBC sort of area, which, of course, will satisfy some of those other interests. My, my, my suspicion, though, is that if they really do improve their search engines and you can actually use the BBC news sites and archives in, in an intelligent way, that um, the, the actual usage of its online sites may, and, and, and services may well go up mm. as a simplified, easier-to-navigate uh, operation. Did you see that blog post that Eric Huggers put up to explain all, all of this? And it was utterly, utterly un- incomprehensible. I'm not, I'm not surprised they got rid of him or he's, he's gone, or gone away. I mean, if, if, if that man, do you know how much he's yeah. paid? Vast amounts of money to write gobbledygook like that. And that's just on taxes. And that's just on taxes. But mind you, they put, that's why Roly Keating, essentially Roly Keating, who is a former controller of BBC2, he's actually been put in effect, in charge of right. this whole operation. Because it, it has to have an editorial-facing person. Yeah. yeah, well, it did have lots of uh, uh, nice, colourful pie charts. And I, and we do, I have now found out that uh, I couldn't work out for days whether they've, they had, they've axed uh, um, radio catch-up or not. Because they keep saying it's, they're, they're focusing on live radio and they're taking the catch-up off of the iPlayer and all, all the rest of it. But apparently we'll, we will still be able to listen again. Oh, yes. which, but you won't be staring at the iPlayer homepage when, no, when exactly. you do so. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, more on this, of course, uh, at mediaguardian.co.uk. Uh, back now to the goings-on elsewhere in Murdoch land. Uh, you might have read about the kerfuffle caused by some Neanderthal-like uh, comments from Sky Sports presenters Andy Gray and Richard Keyes. Uh, Gray was fired on Tuesday after another two examples of his uh, somewhat unenlightened attitude towards women were posted on YouTube. And, uh, well, Keyes looked as if he'd gotten away with it um, before uh, he gave a remarkable turn on TalkSport. Am I defending what we said and did? No. Hmm. Let me repeat again. I've never had a problem in life saying sorry when I'm wrong. We were wrong. It was wrong. It shouldn't have happened. It did. What can you do beyond that? I apologised on the Sunday. Now, there are some dark forces at work here. I, having done that, asked could we make people aware of the fact that we've had a conversation and that both parties felt it was best to move on. I was told no. And 24 hours passed, by which time the world had gone mad. <laughs> Richard Keyes, uh, accompanied by his shovel uh, there, speaking to TalkSport. I suppose, uh, there was, John, there was no real surprise that uh, Keyes was shown the door uh, a few hours later. Or rather, he, ha- he handed in his keys. It was, uh, yes, it was a sort of hour-long resignation live on, uh, live yes. on TalkSport, sort of DLT style, yeah. Um, it was a bit, wasn't it? I wonder what, the, wonder what these dark forces are and who they're going to seize on next. Well, um, well Tom, Tom Watson almost went there, uh, there earlier on. There's, uh, there's quite a lot of people seeing dark forces all, 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 uh, all, all over the place. Yes, I think he had to go. I mean, it, was, it wasn't necessarily yeah, from the first clip, but when the second clip came up with um, 
with uh, Richard Keys uh, discussing. Um, I think it was uh, Jamie Redknapp's uh, ex-girlfriend in the in the Sky Sports studio before before a Champions League game, which was uh, 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 absolutely uh, unacceptable and, and made for made for made for grim listening. And yes. clearly, he couldn't he, he couldn't return after that. Yeah, I mean, it it, it, it is extraordinary, Maggie, that uh, that these. Who you, people who you thought were professional broadcasters um, felt that they could get away with that kind of attitude. Um, Sky Sports, I mean, you've, you've chronicled the rise of Sky um, over the year, years, and it's cha- it has changed a lot, hasn't it? It Is certainly it- has. I mean, I, I, th- I think in a way that these two... I, 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 can I say, I'm, women have you know, really raced into this debate. I feel slightly... As, as a woman, Maggie. Yes, as a woman. I feel... But someone who watches these... Uh, uh, footballer presenters the whole time because of living in a sports mad household there's a side of me which just has a bit of sympathy because they were not on air I mean if they had said these things on air Sky is merciless and has Mm. sacked um, you know if if I I can think of Gary Mason the the heavyweight boxer who used the F word on on television I mean he died in an accident uh, uh, earlier this month and he was immediately taken off and never you know went back again uh, they have they are ruthless when people stray on air these were not actually on air um, comments and yeah, um, if, if, I mean if they're, only they're, we broadcast the off the, the sort I know. of the dreadful answer, language that I mean, goes the truth on in here that, after uh, well the truth is that clearly um, you, you know private lives there's very little private life uh, left now having said all of that what I really think has happened is that there's been a big regime change at um, Sky Sports. Uh, Vic Wakeling left nearly two years ago. Vic Wakeling was the head of sport and really created the whole of this sort of Premier League coverage and the style of coverage and the type. And these these presenters go back to him. And what you've got now is Barney Francis and a new regime. And I, I would suspect that these are younger, fresher uh, producers and, and 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 people executives yeah. executives. And and there's been a change around. Um, I, I I suspect both of them will re-emerge uh, probably as after dinner speakers <laughs> or, or perhaps on talk sports John um, that's it after, <laughs> after that um, uh, interesting uh, to see the sky being a self-flagellating about its own cover- coverage covering covering its own affairs as the BBC often gets it was wall-to-wall coverage on Sky News of this uh, that's right there can be no accusation that they ignored the story um, yeah yeah they certainly, the they certainly didn't out. spare him the hands yeah. were let out weren't they is it any worse, though, Maggie, for male football presenters to poke fun at a female linesman than it is for, you know, the, the presenters of, on Loose, loose women, women to yeah. sort of or, you know, le- um, lech all over George Clooney, whatever it is? Yeah, do. or grumpy old women, you know, yeah. just discussing men. Uh, a very good point. Uh, probably not. And I think we all have to be aware the whole time that you have to be contemporary and up to date and you have to take into account when you're speaking in any forum remember you know carol thatcher was famously sort of um, chastised by the bbc for talking about goddywogs off um, off air well she was dr- she was drummed out of the uh, uh, the, the one show this is interesting yeah. isn't it john uh, uh, um, this is what Mackie's saying is uh, is that you can't there's the, the, the difference between uh, all the distinctions between the sort of public and private space as with so many other parts of life, actually, are, are, are being blurred, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. And I think that's partly a result of sort of the digital uh, era that we're in, in the sense that if you make, this, uh, if you, if you make a mistake or, or you say these things on air or in any sense where they can get replayed over and over again, they, they will be replayed over and over again. Because these were all posted to YouTube, weren't that's they? That's right. That's, uh, and so uh, everyone can hear it and everyone can see it with their own eyes. But uh, maybe a few years ago, that, that wouldn't have happened. Mm. 
Uh, I think if he'd made those comments in an after dinner speech, for instance, and that had been recorded, then it would have been that we'd have had the same fallout. Oh, yes, it yeah. would have done. And the other things you have to remember as well. I mean, Sky Sports is, uh, and, and the Sky Networks, they're in, they're in 10 million homes. That's a huge number, 40% of homes. And a lot of the people watching are people like me, you know, mums and women. And we've kind of been dragged into football by perhaps, you know, not, not necessarily, we wouldn't have been watching as much. And so it has become much more of a unisex uh, viewing experience, is all I would say. And it has become much more. I mean, more I even of, know the offside yeah. rules. You, I was waiting for you to thing. ask me. I that. wasn't going to ask you, Maggie, but now that you mentioned it, <laughs> can you get if you could just get the salt and pepper or pepper pots, or perhaps we can use the we can use your mug, uh, uh, John. Punk, My Adam Bolton mug. We've just got Adam Bolton on one side and Dermot Murnahan on, on the other. On the, which one of those is off, is currently offside? Um, I think it's Dermot by it. <laughs> okay, it's going to be interesting to see who they replace them with, though, isn't it, Matt? I mean, you know, wonderful new openings at uh, Sky Sports. Uh, uh, Will it be a woman? Could be. Yes, OK. Uh, well, uh, uh, thanks very much for that. Uh, don't be surprised, I suppose, if you uh, see them in the jungle next year for <laughs> I'm a Celebrity. There's m- more on all this over at guardian.co.uk. And if you're a football fan, after a more enlightened take on the beautiful game, you can download James Richardson, Barry Glendenning and the rest of the Football Weekly crew every Monday and Thursday in our iTunes topping podcast. Of course, the, the, the difference between Guardian podcasts and Sky Sports is that all our rude words all end up in the podcast, don't they? Um, let's finish up this week with a bit of TV news. The show that's made the headlines and got the Twitter sphere's knickers in a twist was My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding on Channel 4. Six million people watched it. But I have to say, I was a bit really unco- uncomfortable about, um, about the whole thing. I thought that it was, you know, it was just a bit of sort of on-air. You know, it, was, it was an excuse, I think, to laugh at, uh, l- laugh at gypsies. Well, I didn't think that at all. I mean, I think the reason it's so successful is that nobody knows much about their lives. And I, I don't know why they all wear such extravagant clothes or go and fool these. Well, we're told that mm. this is what they're clinging on to, these rituals. But uh, what the thing, it's, it's huge. It's, it's a, it, the success is a huge surprise to Channel 4. It started off as a one single documentary. It's been spun into a series. And Cutting Edge have obviously got access to this very strange outcast set of people. Uh, and they've just, uh, they've just run with it. I say good luck to them. It's observational television. Okay, um, uh, not part of Channel 4, but uh, part of the BBC is uh, Miranda, who I mentioned in the uh, introduction, so we should quickly mention her. She won three gongs. Um, uh, we think thoroughly well-deserved, do we think, John, at the National Television I think Awards, it's or are you not a fan? Miranda, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a good kind of feel-good uh, sitcom, isn't it? It's like a, it reminds me of some others do have them, sort of a, 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 a pratt-falling, lovable idiot, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a nice way. But... Um, uh, yeah, I think it's a good show. I, I imagine it's rumoured it's going to go to BBC One. So, where I imagine oh, it is going to BBC yeah. One. Yeah. Well, uh, so Maggie can confirm. Maggie can confirm that. So, I think it will be a big hit. Yeah, a break, uh, genuine breakout hit. And she seems like a she seems like a lovely egg. Yeah, lovely. Don't talk about Miranda like that. <laughs> is it Easter? Uh, uh, National Television Awards. You were there. I was there. I'd access one area. Access one area passed in the first <laughs> room. So I was truly privileged. <laughs> good night. Um, Oh, it was a fabulous night, yeah. Hot and sweaty press room surrounded by snappers. So it was my dream come true. Oh, yes. Uh, but they were all fully clothed. Uh, no, it was good. Uh, it, was, well, it was a very good night for Anton Deck, uh, partly because they weren't there. They were in Cardiff, yes. so uh, lucky of them. But they, uh, they won the Best Entertainment Presenter Prize for the 10th year running. Oh. Which yeah. is either a reflection of uh, how good they are or, or the paucity of talent elsewhere in the industry. I suspect it's no, a bit of both. But these are voted for by people, aren't they? Uh, so unfortunately, it just shows yes. what, by, what by ordinary people, viewers yeah. actually like. And yeah. they like Bruce Forsyth and Top Gear and they like, um, you know, the kind of Waterloo Road type comedy. Waterloo Road. Dramas. I mean, that, beat, yes. that was the shock of the night. It beat Doctor Who oh. and Sherlock. I'm not uh, surprised, though, because it actually takes you inside comprehensive schools, gritty northern comprehensive schools where everything's going wrong all the well, time. That's the precise reason I thought oh, I wouldn't win. <laughs> <laughs> but then it relates to what you see the people actually 
actually watching it? Do you send their children to schools that worry them? And, um, you know, they probably relate to it much more than certain glossier stuff. Waterloo Road, bit, uh, uh, big in Dulwich. Hey Maggie, I think on that note we'll wrap things up. Uh, there are links to everything that you've just heard on our blog at guardian.co.uk slash media talk. And you can follow me on Twitter for news and occasional insights into my private life. Uh, have a look for um, uh, Matthew Wells on Twitter. Media Talk is produced by Ben Green. I'm Matt Wells. Thank you for listening. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.